Well, hello, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Clint Clifton. This podcast is intended to help church planters and sending churches aspiring to make more disciples through church planting. Well, today we're going to talk to my good friend Brian Laughlin. Brian directs the Atlantic region of the Acts 29 network, and he serves as the lead pastor of a church he planted in downtown Richmond, Virginia a few years ago, Remnant Church. Brian's a fantastic leader and a good buddy, so let's get him on the line. Hello, Clint. Good morning. Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm great. If we can, uh, why don't we just start by uh, you know telling uh, telling me about about Remnant, how it got started, uh, how God called you to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it was definitely a process. It wasn't like an overnight re- revelation or anything like that. Um, I became a Christian in my early 20s. I uh, got plugged into a Baptist church south side of Richmond that uh, was thriving, preaching the gospel. And I was there uh, teaching Sunday school for about seven, seven, eight years. And so I started a course um, where all young men seem to start in the youth group. And was there about three years, and then uh, transitioned into young adults, 18 to 30, and uh, started teaching there. Um, during that time, uh pastor recommended me going to seminary. So I'd gone up there and was commuting back and forth from Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. Uh, got married. Uh, my wife was down there in the college, and uh, so we got married. And a uh, short time, about six months, we didn't date that long. And um, so, you know, during that process, kind of uh, the burden for just continuing to share the gospel uh, continued to grow, and then dialoguing with different pastors and planters, uh, especially at the local church we were at, uh, whether or not this, uh, it felt like uh, the Lord was leading us to, to plant. We'd come in several discussions, um, um, you know, by men like Tim Keller and uh, Mark Driscoll at the time, and um J.D. Greer, folks like that, uh, talking about church planting, uh, felt like the Lord was leading us to do that, and kind of out of talking with the pastors, uh, they said it seemed like a, a great fit. We planted in uh, late 2009, so uh, that's yeah. kind of the short version, uh, a lot of a lot of details in between, but it's been an right. amazing ride for sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was planting in the same state at the same time as you were and, and got to watch from afar couple of things that were like unique features uh, from my perspective you, you planted with a really strong sort of staff level team right off the bat was that an ideal for you or it just happened that way tell us about the guys you planted with uh yeah it was definitely uh um definitely an ideal or a value uh it was something that we believed in team-based planting uh you know you you see it uh modeled in the scriptures I and mean, most of the missionaries or planting churches kind of went out as pretty well-qualified teams, uh, and so we were, that was definitely a value we held up front and we're seeking to do um, for us. Uh, I planted with a gentleman by the name of Ryan Kidd, um, wonderful brother. We uh, were friends for years. When I first got plugged into the Baptist Church, um, we were in a young adult Sunday school together, and uh, he had been um, Christian for a long time, his parents were missionaries in France, so we kicked off a great relationship, and he, 
he he we went to uh he went to seminary with me so he was um he lived in my house down in Youngsville North Carolina for uh most most of the week for a few years there and uh actually uh another gentleman by the name of Doug Ponder and he uh same same situation uh he actually grew up in the church I got plugged into uh was a Liberty University graduate and then came down to southeastern with me and same situation uh we're all three kind of staying together uh, at this house we had down the lake for us and kind of uh, through that, Lord was just stirring our hearts for planting and seeing uh, friends uh, and folks in the Richmond area come to know Jesus. So out of that, uh, we kind of developed a, you know, kind of leadership team and developed core based on that. So it definitely was greatly beneficial, uh, I think, just for prayer support, um, battles against a lot of the loneliness, um, all of those sorts of things, isolation, uh, right. that, that, that was just huge, especially in planting. So, uh, that was uh, a great benefit. That's definitely an ideal, you know, I'd recommend, I wouldn't say that's the only way to do it, but, uh, it's definitely some, I think, helpful wisdom there. All right. So, so really uh, planting in Richmond, you guys are like planting in your hometown. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, Richmond, I mean, uh, where we planted out of was, uh, Tri-Cities area, which is, uh, a far outlying suburb of the larger metro area. I, I went to VCU uh, myself in the heart of Richmond, lived downtown, actually where uh, our church meets now uh, for, you know, during my undergraduate years. So very familiar with the city. Everybody that grew up around the metro area and considers Richmond home. So it's an integrated uh, metro complex, if you will, of all the counties and the immediate city. So everybody's in and out. So pretty much hometown, yeah. All right. So you guys did something unique a few years in. You uh, you merged with another church, and uh, for neither of you, if I understand the situation right, was it uh, um, motivated by you know growth or our health? You guys wanted to be together for mission. It seems like two two really uh, healthy, thriving uh, new churches. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, the um that was that was unforeseen uh for sure. It was definitely a missional move. Uh I met uh Pastor Josh Soto. He had been a church planner in the city for a couple years prior to us hitting the ground and uh we met through uh the Baptist uh Southern Baptist Network we planted through. And uh became good friends, actually moved into um the house my wife and I moved into our family moved into two blocks um, from him. So we kicked off a good friendship uh, from the get-go, um, leadership. We started doing uh, joint discipleship training for leaders, uh, some joint missions projects uh, for a couple years. And uh, through that, uh, just became great friends. Uh, he actually went through um, the Acts 29 network uh, assessment process and joined uh, the network as a full church plant. And I guess it was about... Uh, a couple, uh, few, few months after that, uh, he approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I think we'd actually be better served in our uh, mission to the city if we did it together." And <laughs> I honestly, I honestly just laughed it off because I was thinking, "Yeah, okay." Um, but he uh, was pretty persistent. Came back, so we started doing some prayerful thought about it, uh, discussion, and uh, definitely seemed like a, a wiser strategic move uh, for. Uh, the type of church that we were striving to plant in the city, uh, being very uh, multicultural, multi, you know, uh, very multi-ethnic, diverse as possible, and uh, so it was it was just a great, great fit. So we had uh, months of planning, 
and merged. Uh, I'll say oh, it was it was uh, just a beautiful fit. It probably took about a year to to kind of really get uh, you know the the wedding of the two families together where. Uh, it was one big uh, happy family, but it was uh, just wonderful. Now, you know, outside of just uh, normal awkwardness, a little bit of getting to know folks that love Christ, but you're just getting to know them personally. It was definitely right. uh, a, be- a beautiful thing. So, yep, uh, it was. Uh, yep. You know, looking back on it, that was four, four, over four years ago now. So, um, just an extremely positive thing. Yeah, I think for as an outsider looking in, I think most guys were were going. What's really going on over there? You know, I mean, like the, the, everybody, everybody you see merging, they're basically. I mean, if you boil it down, it seems like they're doing it because, you know, one of the churches is really struggling and one's trying to kind of gobble up the other. But this, this really yeah. genuinely wasn't that, right? No, no, yeah. Both of uh, both of the churches are doing real well. Uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, conversion growth, folks coming to meet Christ, and uh, we're both about the same, um, you know, size dynamics at the time, but there wasn't any type of uh, difficulties or struggles that were going on. It was just a positive kind of uh, bringing together of, you know, that we could just do more together was kind of a big idea, and right. uh, so that was that was kind of, you know, the fit behind the whole thing, and, you know, it's it's definitely turned out to be that for sure, so. So how did you guys work out issues like like uh, leadership and preaching and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's a great question. Um, humbly, uh, we discussed those prayerfully. Uh, Pastor Josh, and uh, he had two elders at the time. They approached us, and, you know, essentially there there's, there's a, you know, in any merge there has to be uh, a lead church, if you will. So uh, Remnant was the lead church in the merge. And so we met with their leadership and members and uh, talked through what it would look like and how the shifts in leadership would come about. And, um, you know, a couple of their elders at the time uh, decided that with the, the merge uh, into the one new church uh, that they'd be better served uh, not in an eldership capacity. And so they um, uh, both both them were strong leaders in the churches today and, uh, you know, just said, you know, we're – they stepped out of the role, of Pastor, for a while. Uh, pastor Josh um, humbly uh, said, you know, he would, you know, kind of sub- submit to whatever the larger pastorate. Uh, I think at the time we had, goodness, I don't know, four four pastors maybe. Uh, so uh, we, you know, kind of prayerfully talked with Pastor Josh about that, and uh, he came alongside and was uh, doing uh, share preaching and um leadership in our you know all of our the community life of the church and membership and those sorts of things so it's been a good fit but it's always been a, a team deal uh so it's you know there there hasn't been like um you know there there's always been camaraderie and uh, a lot of the, a lot of decisions just naturally flow out there hasn't been anything that's <laughs> been uh begrudging if you will a little bit right right so also, uh, one of the things I remember uh, about that time period was that in the very beginning of Remnant, probably before the merge, you, you were working quite a lot bivocationally, um, and it seemed like you were able to do that because of the uh, because of the uh, the team approach that you took in planting. Um, do you look mm-hmm. back at that as a good thing, and um, and how do you encourage planters that are thinking about that? Yeah. Um... Wow. It's, yeah, you know, I, well, I'll share our experience. Like we, 
Um, I worked full-time for the first three years of the church. I had three different jobs during that period. I was teaching uh, online as a professor in philosophy at Liberty. Uh, I was working um, two or three days a week uh, full-time construction work, and then at the time I had this other research consulting job or whatever. And all the two other guys that um, planted with me in the leadership capacity, uh, they were all working as well. So I think in that sense uh, it was – it was very doable because a lot of the kind of evangelistic efforts, community outreach, uh, sharing the good news with folks was the low was shared. And so that was, that enabled us to have heavy amounts of giving and reinvestment into uh, the strategic work of the mission, uh, which is very beneficial. So our long-term vision all the way from the beginning has been to put down heavy roots in the city, uh, to be a faithful gospel witness for, you know, decades and decades. Uh, so in order to do that, we wanted to lay a strong foundation, invest heavily into putting down some, some roots, if you will. And so that enabled that. But it's not always, uh, I think, you know, some of that, it's not always uh, easy. So like one of our pastors, he had a Bible degree from Liberty, beautiful. Uh, however, just not that hireable um, <laughs> outside of Outside of like waiting tables, which he did right. faithfully, thankfully, but just not not making with so many ends meet, uh, doing those sorts of things. So I, I had an engineering background, worked um, the engineer from undergrad, and I was able to pick up work pretty easily. So that so we were able to, you know, as far as like supplementing incomes and how we allocated towards bringing on pastoral staff. I was actually the I think the third pastor uh, to come on paid uh, in our church plan. So I was even, even as the lead guy, I was the third paid uh, just because that's just what benefited the team and what was best. So, um, but that's not always doable. So, uh, you know, I think from, I think guys that, uh, you know, especially you're planting, um, you know, being, uh, working in the community in some capacity, even a bivocational sense, just part-time, even if you're able to do a lot of fundraising, uh, it's a great benefit just to get out, meet people, do your missiological work, understand where people are coming from. All that stuff's just, um, and, and it's it's easy to do when you're actually working and you're not just at a coffee shop having to explain, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I'm paid to be a church planner. Um, All right. That's a, that is an awkward conversation sometimes. So it is. A, it's doable. It is, it's doable, but. <laughs> it definitely starts you off on the wrong foot. I've had, I've had that conversation many times. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you guys, uh, you guys also uh, uh, right off the bat, you, you you worked your way into a facility situation that was that from the outside looked looked pretty great. Um, was that what, were you were you aiming at that? Was that a priority, or were you open to being kind of uh, portable? Uh, what makes yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll say this for us, it, it was uh, something that we prioritized in the development of the church plant because. It helped us to overcome uh, the perception of transience. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to do was, you know, for calling people to uh, follow Jesus and he's Lord and he's, uh, you know, their God and all that he's accomplished for us, then it ought to have a real uh, rooted, tangible expression in people's lives. And so one of the ways to, you know, kind of demonstrate that with, uh, if you will, and this has been the case throughout church history, uh, is you know it you know you put down and actually have a church home, uh, a more fixed facility if you will, so that it can you know kind of complements and conveys 
uh, a little bit more of you know what the intention is behind the faith, uh, behind what it looks like to follow Christ, those sorts of things. So for us, it was something that we prioritized early uh, that kind of overcame uh, a lot of the maybe misperception that you know some of the um, you know like early on you know we're we were in a, you know loading in and out of a box truck. For you know, so everything's in a trailer in a box truck. We're loading in and out those things. I mean, in, in churches, church plants do that for years, and that's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you don't have to get a building. Uh, however, for us, it definitely helped with um, complement the message of calling people to follow Christ with all of their lives, invest in a community, begin to make disciples. Uh, a lot of that was wet up to: Are you actually going to show up next week with the box truck, or is this just all going to fold randomly? So, right. All right. Okay. All right. Let's talk about that's, that's not a not, you know. I understand. There's tons of, you know, uh, you know the 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 mo is you know most most church plants period are rented uh, facilities and schools and all those things and those those are beautiful things and God grows a church that way. So it's not a it's not an either or. One is bad and one is the other. It's just you know something we did prioritize for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I'm, I mean, our church is 11 years old. We're still meeting in a in an elementary school. And, uh, and we went. I like that. We went. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we went to a permanent facility and then went back to a elementary school uh, because of uh, size dynamics and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, as a guy who lives week to week with the frustration of that, I, um, I, I really, I really, you know, I just recognize in some situations guys don't have the fundraising capacity or or what to yeah. Use that reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a selfish way, I mean, yeah, if we're just being honest, too, I like being able to sleep a little later on Sundays. It was nice. <laughs> uh, you know, but okay. the 530, 5.30 setting up chairs and unload for us, <laughs> you know, it gets taxing a little bit. So in a selfish way, I, I wasn't complaining about that. Yeah. I remember the first couple of years of the church, I would, uh, we, we were light on set up people, and so I, I'd get up early and go hook up the trailer, drive it up there, set everything up, and <laughs> And uh, and I have to bring another shirt because my shirt would be saturated with sweat, you know, by the time it was time. Oh yeah, uh, I yeah. Like, man. So, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. But you know, we do it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so talk to me about Acts twenty nine a little bit. Uh, you you're uh, the the director of the Acts twenty nine for the Atlantic region. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I uh, have a privilege of serving as the uh, North Atlantic director. Uh, kind of stepped in that role full time uh, late uh, 2015, so fairly recently, last six months or so. And uh, that's the the North Atlantic Network. Eight two nine is uh, um, a global um, family of church planting churches and networks all across the globe. So the U.S. is uh, broken into five networks. And so I have the privilege of serving as the director over. Uh, the North Atlantic, which spans from um, VA, from from Virginia all the way through Maine, and kind of all your major uh, East Coast cities uh, going north. So uh, it's the largest region as far as population. Uh, definitely the kind of uh, least church or unreached at this point. Creed, uh, more uh, definitely more staunchly post-Christian, um, but we've just seen continual uh, growth and planting, and uh, it's been a it's just been a beautiful thing, for sure. Yeah. So t- tell the guys that aren't familiar with Acts 29, what what are some of the core ideals Acts 29 holds? 
Yeah, well, uh, Acts 29 is a one-issue network. Uh, folks will hear that often, is that we are a network of church-planting churches. Uh, so we uh, associate and network together to assist one another uh, to plant churches as churches through support, resourcing, uh, you know, um, theological capital, uh, training, all, all of those sorts of uh, ends. Uh, Distinctives-wise, uh, there's kind of a three broad um, distinctive characteristics, if you will. Um, that, yeah, we try to strive for theological clarity. And I think it's part of our little mission tag or something like that. Uh, theological clarity. So in, um, we're a um, reformed network, uh, reformed theologically in kind of a broad sense. And so uh, theological clarity is huge for our church plants as far as they're robust. Plants are robust in their theology and all of their planting endeavors are infused with uh, solid gospel theology that permeates how they do everything in their church plan. So theological clarity is a big one. Uh, missional uh, innovation is kind of the other one, uh, where uh, the scriptures are very clear on uh, what the mission is and how we should think about God, those sorts of things. But it gives us flexibility uh, to uh, uh, culturally contextualize the message uh, and the mission, because culture is always changing, uh, the ideas, the values, uh, the idols, uh, the various spiritualities, the various false religions, all of those sorts of things are always morphing. So it enables us to be very innovative uh, in our missional approach and how we're reaching people uh, with the good news. And so it's not a, it's not a static philosophy of ministry, if you will. Now, the third value is uh, cultural engagement. So that's kind of the big three. Cultural engagement just means uh, we don't see ourselves as separatistic, um, but uh, Christ has sent us into the world uh, with the good news, and we're striving to uh, put a lot of uh, deed behind the words that we preach and how we engage culture, love our neighbors, serve them, work for the common good, and uh, constantly tell everyone about Christ. So that's kind of, um, you, you know, you kind of big, broad three principles, if you will. So, so uh, participating in Acts 29, uh, you guys have a reputation for a kind of a grueling um, assessment application process. Uh, <laughs> you tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Do you, do you, uh, do you take pride in that or, or not so much? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if I take pride in, in it being grueling, um, but if, uh, you know, I, I know what you're saying, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, we'll, you know, it's thorough. It's thorough. Um in the sense of, and we do take a lot of pride in that uh, because it's a great benefit to the planters uh, and their families. So it's not something that um, uh, it's not something uh, that we take lightly because it's it's a grace to the planters and it's and it's a huge help to seeing the churches planted well. Uh, that the, the the men and their families that are planting churches are equipped well for the work, uh, resourced well have a solid vision, and so it's, it's actually a great benefit to all the church planners. Uh, it definitely can seem grueling at times. Uh, it's pretty thorough in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, it, it corresponds to the endeavor. Uh, the weightiness of the right. assessment corresponds to, you know, you don't know one, and you know this very well, you don't enter into church planting lightly, and you want to be sober about the endeavor. And, and also we have a lot of blind spots. So one of the things that's a great objective kind of um, – uh, even, even if you're being sent out from a church uh, that's equipped you well, has all sorts of in-house training, um, you still get some uh, fresh eyes on the situation 
you know, so that, you know, you might actually be assessed and see that this is a wise thing. So it's been a very profitable thing over the years. Uh, there's always been some horror stories, but uh, I haven't heard any of those as of lately. So that's that's yeah. been encouraging. Yeah. So do you feel like uh, Act 29 is doing a, doing a pretty good job in terms of um, forecasting how how well planters are going to do on the front end? And if so, what are those? Just give me a couple of the things that that you're that you're looking for in a planter. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think on the whole, as much as you know, you have the capacity um, to discern well whether or not someone's going to do well in planting in accordance with the scriptures. I think it does a pretty pretty solid job uh, for sure. It uh, helps um, assess whether or not the planters actually understand the gospel, are they proficient in the scriptures. Does their character line up with Christ's likeness as an example, as a pastor, as a planter? And then uh, are they actually able to teach and preach and evangelize and uh, develop a, a church community? So in that sense, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's extremely helpful. So we're, we're looking for uh, qualified men uh, who are humble, teachable, know the gospel very well, uh, are winsome, you know, there's, I think it was Larry Osborne years ago, and this isn't bad. Um, I don't think bad is you want someone who, as a leader, uh, does is theologically robust, understands uh, the, the scriptures very well, the gospel very well from the scriptures, but also is personable. Um, you know, are they uh, are they just a you know are they just a loving human being? Uh, do they do they love people? Uh, do they desire to serve them, and is that reflected in their character, in their life, as an example? Because the church is going to reflect the uh, uh, the pastoral, you know, families, especially the lead pastor's family. So uh, that's just by definition, the church is going to look like that. So are they the type of uh, men that have the the character to persevere? Have they been tested? Uh, have they actually done anything? Uh, so you know, you typically have. Uh, you know, you you uh, that's that's a, a key component. You have a lot of men that aspire to church planting, and they have read every church planting book they can get their hands on. They have every um, amount of credentialing as high as possible, but they've never actually planted anything or started anything. You know, they may have managed some ministries, but as far as uh, actually, you know, I think the bad business term would be, you know, do they have any entrepreneurship? Uh, right. You know, do they, do they have the capacity to start things and see them through? Do they have a vision, and uh, are, are they uh, thinking through the strategy to actually uh, not just start a church, but actually plant the gospel so that people might come to know Jesus and a new community be formed of those who uh, beforehand didn't know Him? You know, so right. all of those right. things yeah. we're looking for for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that is notable about Acts 29 compared to compared to other networks is that while other networks really seem to front load uh, and and work with guys that are not yet proven. There, if I understand right, you guys have have what you call candidacy or something like that, where mm-hmm. where you you actually go through the process. You're you know prevent, uh, you're, you're approved. But you yep. go through a period of time until you reach a, a few benchmarks until you're fully approved. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The, the you know post assessment process, most guys enter into uh, what we call, like you said, a candidate phase, uh, where they're uh, under guided leadership coaching. Uh, they have some uh, 
uh, provisional requirements, if you will, in regards to seeing folks come to faith and develop a, a core church of at least uh, 40 committed adult members. Um, also, you know, there are conditions for, you know, if you, for m- most guys coming through will have conditions to think further on these things and work. And normally the candidacy phases uh, somewhere uh, with, you know, around about a year, uh, six months to a year for most guys. So to help them yeah. really as they as they plant out, uh, not just kind of give them uh, some objective assessment or whatever, not give any hands-on guided coaching and mentoring as they do it. So it's been very helpful for a lot of guys for sure. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, Brian, it's been really, uh, really helpful to talk to you. Um, before we get off the phone, I just want to mention one sort of personal anecdote. Uh, right when I think of Brian Laughlin, the, the thing that I remember most is a conversation we had um, a long time ago where, where you told me that um, uh, that you and, and your wife sometimes uh, have times where you get together and just repent your sin, uh, of your sins to one another um, in, in your relationship. And uh, and I remember just getting in the car, driving home, thinking that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. and and actually uh, telling my wife about it when I got home, and we in that first uh, day we said we should we should try that. That was a that was a good helpful thing. Uh, Brian really pastored me when he told me that. And I really we should we should we should do that. And I remember we we tried uh, <laughs> the first time that we got into a massive argument. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, but it was really helpful. And since then, we we we've had much more a pattern of that. So, uh, do I remember that right? Is that is that how? I do. Yeah, yeah. Definitely in passing, but uh, I'm thank. Yeah, that's been a that's been a blessing within our marriage because uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, the gospel enriches and heals us, and is good news for us. And we, you know, especially as you know. Planters and pastors, uh, you know, there's all sorts of family stress, especially on the marriage, and so it's yeah. it's been uh, we've seen a lot of fruit bear out of that as we try to keep a, a regular regimen of confessing our sins to one another, and not in a bad accountability way where we're browbeating one another, but just lovingly one up, serve one another. Not going to always get it right. How do we how do we uh, you know, seek to be more like Christ towards one another? That's that's been that's been beautiful and and, ne- and definitely necessary uh, because as you know. Uh, your, your family, your wife—that uh, is uh, absolutely a you know kind of a hedge of protection and a grace of encouragement uh, should be uh, to the planner. When many times uh, the, you don't get that <laughs> from others, yeah. so it's helpful. Yeah. All right, Brian. Man, thank you so much for talking to me, taking time out today. Yeah. Okay, Clint. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, today's program is brought to you in part by the New City Network. New City aims to renew and establish gospel-centered churches in Metro D.C. You can find out more about New City by visiting their website at newcityplanting.org. A special thanks also to my guest, Brian Laughlin, who wins the award for being the manliest church planter I know, and to Bobby Oliveri, who produced and edited today's show. If you'd like more information about the Church Planting Podcast, you can visit our website at clintclifton.org. Go to the website, you'll find additional posts about church planting and notes and links from today's show. 